All right, welcome everybody to the Asian Sellers Virtual Meetup. This meetup today is to celebrate the 50th episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. And the reason I started this podcast last year was, <laughs> thank you. So the reason I started this podcast last year was because um, there was no community as such in Singapore or in other countries in Asia where, you know, I myself could share uh, um, information or could ask questions. And I thought that there were a lot of groups and podcasts and webinars that were happening in the US and Europe and Australia, but there was nothing local over here in Singapore. So that's when I thought of starting um this podcast and this entire community. And last year we did a couple of meetups, but of course those are on hold now. And I was also planning to do a conference here in uh, Singapore later this year, but of course that's also on hold. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it next year. But, um, you know, we are also doing virtual events and other things. So basically the idea is to bring the community together to, to share information, to help each other. And hopefully, you know, together we can grow our e-commerce businesses. So the, the meetup that we're having today is um, an opportunity for all of you sellers to ask questions from four successful sellers that we have with us today. And I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves in a while. And uh, first of all, I will ask them a couple of questions about their story and their challenges. And then basically the floor is open to everybody to ask uh, these sellers questions. And, you know, this is a very casual, um, very open kind of meetup. And you're feel, you feel, feel free to ask them any questions. Um, if you're entirely new, we can understand, you know, some questions might not seem like or might seem too basic, but no question is a dumb question. <laughs> so feel free to um, ask them anything. Okay, so the four uh, sellers that we have with us today are Debbie Tai, Jason Tay, Viral Jen, and Rish. So Viral and Rish are from India, and uh, Debbie and Jason are from Singapore, but Jason is currently in Perth. So I'm going to ask each of you to first of all introduce yourselves and then we'll get in the question. So Debbie, uh, why don't you go first? Tell us about um, you know, your story briefly uh, and also how you started selling, um, you know, how you started your e-commerce business. Sure. Hi. Thank you. Um, before I start, I just want to congratulate you, Megla. 50 is a fantastic number. Thank you Thank for having you. me. Um, hello, everybody. I'm Debbie. Uh, I'm great. Um, I'm happy to be here today and I'm going to try to answer all your questions. Um, so I've been selling on Amazon since 2014. Um, back then, just before that, I was working in New York City for a few years as a news editor and I really enjoyed doing that. But deep down, I wanted to create and build something um, of my own and also be in control of my own time. So I moved back to Singapore and I started to research what kind of business would allow me to do that. So choosing Amazon um, because of its ready worldwide audience was a very easy decision. Um, at the time, my dad owned a factory in Vietnam making cuticle nippers. Um, so I asked him to sell me some products at favorable credit terms. Which, meant, which means that I didn't need to pay anything until I sold the stock. So it's a very good way to start. Um, so from there, I decided to sell on uh, Amazon US. It was the easiest platform to start on back, um, back then. And I learned as I went along. 
um, taking my own product photos, writing my own listings and reinvesting whatever uh, profits I made uh, back into the business. That's how it started. Awesome. And you're currently selling on Amazon US, Europe, which marketplaces? In 11 marketplaces um, in Europe and Australia, Singapore, Mexico, Canada. That's it. Wow, awesome. All right, Jason. Hello. All right, uh, my journey started in late 2013 and I started selling online after like wanting to be um, free from a nine to five or clocking in hours as an employee. Uh, at first, I wanted to open my own F&B outlet, having like worked and managed a couple of cafes in my student years. <laughs> uh, but then after like uh, doing all the numbers, I realized, wow, to open like one subway outlet in Singapore would cost approximately half a million dollars, like startup capital. So I was like, and, and then the number of people that I would be able to reach the customer base would be the people who lived in that estate or in that suburb, that vicinity, which maybe was like 10,000 people. And then I figured like out of the 10,000 people, maybe like 5,000 would want to eat subway once a week. Uh, so that amount of money for that kind of customer base did not make sense to me. Uh, and then what happened was uh, I discovered that you can actually sell on Amazon. One of the catalysts was my sister who's lived in the States probably for close to 20 years now. One day she posted on Facebook and she said, thank God for, Subway, uh, thank God for Amazon. <laughs> And it was a picture of a carton of Indomie goreng, if you guys are familiar with what that is. Um, and when I saw the price that she paid for the, in, in the instant noodles, I was like, whoa, I can get that at six times lower in the retail store like next door. Um, and so that was a catalyst. Um, and then from 2014, as I started doing... Uh, the sales and the income sort of had replaced my previous um, paid salary after about nine months. And so I thought, you know what, since I used to be a history teacher, I should actually chronicle this. And so I actually started writing a blog uh, with my month to month like exploits online. <laughs> like, okay, this month I did this and this was what happened and this was the sales. Uh, so that's, uh, I guess, how I sort of became an influencer in the space. Um, fast forward, uh, I now sell on Amazon. Uh, I own two brands. Uh, but besides selling on Amazon, I've also expanded. And my second biggest sales channel is actually um, our own e-commerce website. Um, and then in Singapore, we also sell on the usual suspects. That's Lazada, Shopee, uh, Q10, uh, we're also on eBay in the States. Uh, well, uh, we recently started uh, having some sales in Mexico and Canada. Uh, and Debbie actually sort of, I asked her a couple of questions because uh, she's a bit more experienced in that area. Um, I'm, I was just very familiar with the States and then uh, doing my own website, uh, doing the other platforms in Singapore, um, etc. So yeah, that's where we are at and looking to expand in Australia next Awesome. So I've known Jason for, I think, a few, like maybe four or so years now. 
And um, he was actually the first guest that I interviewed on my podcast. Episode and, uh, one. <laughs> episode one, I know. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and I, I, I keep telling Jason that I had decided early on when I decided to do this podcast, I knew that Jason would be my first guest because I have huge respect for him. So the, the, the first thing that I did was decided on the name of the podcast. And then second was, okay, Jason is my first guest. So you guys should definitely follow Jason if you don't uh, follow him already. He's got um, a Facebook page, Jason Tay Online, and his blog is jasontayonline.com. And of course, he also does a course. Um, that is uh, very comprehensive and highly recommended, especially if you're just starting out. Um, okay, Rishi. Hey, everyone. Hi. Uh, congratulations, Megla. I was actually just on your website. I was trying to figure out which episode was mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so th- uh, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it's uh, wonderful to see everybody on the call. And yeah, I mean, about me, I have had an experiment sort of like sort of like an accidental venture to start selling on Amazon back in 2013 because I was helping one of my college batchmates to bring his business uh, from just being an export business out of India to being a direct to custom business. And that's how I stumbled upon uh, selling on Amazon. And back then for a couple of years between 2013 to 2016, I basically did drop shipping. I had my, I had his products listed under my store, you know, got my brand registry run with some Photoshop images because it was that easy. And uh, after that, I did that for a couple of years. Basically I used to take orders, forward it to his factory, and then he had his logistics set up. So I did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then once around 2016, I stopped doing that because with dropshipping, the problem was that there's a huge amount of hijackers that just pounce on your listing and they crush your buy box uh, and basically take away your sales with fake products. So that happens a lot. And so I just took a break and uh, started with private label in 2017 with a toy product, uh, which is still selling uh, on Amazon. And that was a huge hit. Uh, so yeah, I've been into private uh, label business models since 2017 onwards. I have almost four SKUs at the moment in Amazon. Uh, 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 and, and currently actually honestly going through a transition phase because uh, around the month of April, I had this copyright issue on one of the products, which had been happening. Like I've had ma- many issues with Amazon in the last four, five years. And right now I'm in the transition phase of uh, starting something new and fresh in the future, which is probably not just going to be an Amazon business. So looking into health and supplements, and that's where my focus is. Uh, the timeline is pretty huge. I might launch it around January, uh, maybe mid of January. But right now it's in the research phase and figuring it out, narrowed down onto a certain bunch of products and just trying to figure out how do I go about uh, going forward with this. And I, I would also have a lot of questions amongst like Jason, Debbie, who are selling internationally in multiple marketplaces. Right. And so Rishi, you sell on the US marketplace, right? Primarily? Yes. That is you the s- only marketplace I sell uh, with my private label products. When I was doing dropshipping, I have tested almost five or six marketplaces, Canada, US, UK, uh, Mexico, and things like that. Okay. Yeah. And Rishi has a really good Instagram um, channel, I guess. So follow him on Instagram. He does some very interesting posts. All right, Viral. Hey, hi, everyone. Um, First of all, Megla, congratulations on your 50th podcast. Thank you. I've been in your India sourcing group and it's uh, really, really amazing. I've never actually even uh, like 
being an indian i have never knew like you know the amount of suppliers the products that india could make or the potential is there it's huge so uh, really really thank you for being so valuable resource for everyone and uh, talking about my journey so i started selling on amazon in 2016 and that time i was in a 9 to 5 job and as a you know i had done mba and masters so after getting into this uh, job i thought it would be very very interesting you know like a corporate job i've always heard that you know it's very very cool to you know have a job which is really good paying but just with within like 3 to 4 months into the job i i really got very very bored and i couldn't really see myself uh, working in a corporate space for another 5 6 years so i decided to do something and that's when the hunt started i searched a lot of things that i could do online so you know i could do something as a part time and then transition to a new business so then i landed up uh, into the asm uh, you know amazing selling machine i saw that course and i was blew i was blown away you know uh, the way they had done the marketing was phenomenal so but that time it was pretty pretty expensive for me so i started searching for substitutes of the product and i finally got one of the product uh, one of the course and i actually bought that i learned it and um, over a month or so i started selling on amazon.com so i started with all indian products and i did pretty well uh, until like within 6 months or something into my job i was making 3x of my salary per month so then i decided to do it full time and i quit my job and after a period of time there there happened one case with me like i was shipping some goods from india to the us and uh, i don't know why but the goods got stuck into the customs in the us for some fda issue and that is why they had deported the entire shipment back to india and that time i wasn't selling on amazon india i thought it's not that good in terms of the volumes and everything but then i had that inventory which i couldn't liquidate so i just put up on amazon india and all of a sudden i started getting orders after orders and um within a month i was uh, stocked out so then i came to know the potential of amazon india as well and yeah then uh, i had started selling and focusing more on india because it was very easy for me to source uh, goods and to sell on amazon india and yeah then yeah uh, as of now i also teach a lot of people uh, who are beginners to start selling on amazon india and yeah that's it about my journey awesome yeah amazon india is growing pretty fast and there's a lot of yeah. opportunity there jason are you listening yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes, i recently <laughs> I recently had a call with Amazon India they're looking for brands like overseas global brands to bring to India so Jason uh, has a very and, and yeah like, brand. like, in, <laughs> like in India there are a lot of people who have like made really huge in terms of the brands into beauty and uh, into the men's grooming like yeah. um, I know one of the seller is blocking so much I want a contact please beauty industry Yes, yes, you should You've definitely talk to Viral. Got one. Got got one. one. <laughs> Very interested. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot for that, Viral. Viral, can I ask you a question? Sure. It, it, it's oh, sure. the only the only thing like uh, obviously like the the market is is huge and it's you know, it's like um yeah, let's get into the India market. But it's quite complex, isn't it? Because you've got to have a partner in India. for for us overseas yeah, people yeah 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 the people who are 
if they actually need to have an Indian company and a Indian yeah. director with them. But uh, otherwise, it's uh, it's pretty good. By the the benefit over here in India is that uh, the market is not that matured. Competition is really really very low, so you could easily thrive if you have good experience with competitive markets. Yeah. Yeah, it it just uh, intrigues me because um, you you'd have to find people you know to partner with. So obviously, you know, business partners don't come easy. You know, it's not a always a match made in heaven, so to speak. Yeah. You know, you got to pick your your partnerships carefully. Yeah, yeah, and and there are companies who get you set up. Um, they are pretty reliable. I think they are. There is one called IndiaFilings dot com. Okay. Yep. So, they kind of help you to set up a director along with you and it's around thousand thousand fifteen hundred dollars a year for that okay that. yeah yeah in fact we have a document in the india sourcing group mm-hmm. that um, has all of this information from india filings i had had a call with them last year when somebody had asked about this and so yeah there's a lot of information about india filings their services their charges and everything in the group so okay thanks a lot um, all of you for introducing yourselves and Kevin, can you introduce yourself too? Kevin is yeah, also in <laughs> an yeah. Amazon seller and successful yeah. Amazon seller, may I add? <laughs> yeah. um, well, everybody will probably know uh, me I'm linked with Margaret. Margaret's my partner. Um, we've been selling on Amazon since uh, we started um, probably two, early 2017 and we were sort of retired um, and we sort of did sort of extended travel and did a few things that we wanted to do. And then we got bored and thought, what are we going to do for, you know, the rest of our time? Do we go back? Do we get some kind of part-time work? And then we started getting, looking at um, uh, online sort of propositions and, you know, what could we do? We could work from home. We could do a few hours a day. Um, I could still play golf every day if I wanted. This is the sort of lifestyle we, we sort of wanted. And we, we could, could have done it because we, we had a business. We sold a business. Um, we didn't really have to. But we wanted to keep our minds active. And, um, you know, Margaret, Margaret's super active. And I, I, I sort of like to be a little bit creative in some ways um, as well. So we, we ended up, we found... Amazon, we had a lot of business experience from other business ventures that we've both been involved in. And so we looked at the process and thought, hey, this isn't too hard. And so off we went, we found ourselves in China. Then we found ourselves in South Korea. And we thought, this is really easy. And then we sort of ordered some products. Marg had an idea. And before we knew it, we had fifty thousand dollars on the water, <laughs> and we, one one day we went, <gasps> "What have we done?" <laughs> so we had, we went live in, in Amazon, and uh, all the product we had six products, and we went live, and we went, "This is just real easy," but we hadn't sold anything yet though. But we <laughs> we thought it was real easy, so. Then the hard part came of then we, you know, learning how to do PPC, which we didn't have a clue. And we were just blinded by all these facts and figures and whatever. But anyway, we started to sell a few and it was 
uh, near the sort of Q4. So we we're probably fortunate we could sort of sell a few products. So we got the ball sort of started to roll. The problem was some of the products um, that we didn't do any keyword research, did we? We forgot about that bit. And the course we did didn't say, hey, guys, you've got to write a list like this. So we had all these these words and we wrote our, um, our listings like, a, you know, like you would a letter, you know, in, in, in English, comma, dash. <laughs> and so we had all these mangled up um, titles and, and things. And uh, so nothing was really sort of uh, SEO. Um, so things were languishing and we were just making a few sales. Um, then um, we went to Hong Kong and we was on our way to China to do the, the fair there. And we stumbled across um, uh, a family from India that, that had a, um, a wholesale business. And we started talking to them. And Margaret said, I loved, I loved these products. And these people speak English too. <laughs> so we went, to, um, we went to the fair in China and we didn't see anything that was even a little bit um, that took our fancy. Everything was sort of too hard. So we came, up, we came back home and we talked about it. And um, Mark said, no, that's it. I've got, I've got a brand name. We're going to go with India. And so um, to cut a long story short, that's how we went to India. And the rest, we just fuddled our way through. But now Margaret's sort of like um, there. She's teaching people how to do the process. Um, we've learned. We've been back to university <laughs> in the last two years. Yeah, that, that, that's our story. But um, Margaret will come back. Margaret's on a call with her client just now, but she'll, She'll come and say hello to you shortly. Awesome. I hope I didn't so, ramble on too much there, Megla. No, 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 you didn't. <laughs> so Mark and Kevin are, of course, uh, co-hosts for India for Virtual India yeah. Sourcing Show. So we do that together every month. Okay, awesome. So guys, now the floor is open to you. And we have these five experts with us, five successful Amazon sellers who've done it, um, who've built their brands, their e-commerce businesses, so feel free to ask them any questions. So who's going first? This is Jane. Yes. Uh, I want to ask Debbie. So for this year in the U.S. market, because the Prime Day uh, was postponed, so there's a rumor say the Prime Day could be in October. Uh, so as Q4, we have Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So when the Prime Day is located um, in Q4, quarter four, how do you react it on Prime Day? Um, for me, I don't care about Prime Day generally. So um, my sales tend to be all year round because my products are not seasonal as well. So aside from putting out, uh, using some coupons and having some lightning deals, um, I'm not too excited. The last couple of years have been very, very quiet for me during Prime Day. I think it's because a lot of people are putting a lot of advertising dollars in and so it becomes an extremely competitive time. So as a seller, I've decided that I don't want to compete during this period. I will just continue going the way I'm going. Um, so maybe Send to the Black Friday and the Cyber Monday, you don't do any special promotion on these yeah. two holiday too? Just a little bit, a little bit of coupons um, and deals here and there, but I really don't 
um, monitor it very closely. Maybe Jason might be able to help you a bit more on that. Yeah, Jason, do you want to add to that? Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, the only things that I've done for Prime Day are make sure that I have stock and also uh, it's the same, the stock for Prime Day through quarter four, um, the fourth quarter, and also just doing coupons and Prime exclusive promotions. Essentially, those are the only two things. And the difference in one of my listings, for example, the, is I've created it at 20% off and then on Prime Day, it'll be 22% off. <laughs> uh, I have one more question. You just mentioned you use a Prime exclusive discount. So my question is like uh, using a direct discount and uh, Prime exclusive, Prime exclusive discount, um, does it uh, cause major difference? Because we can also offer the special price. Yeah, you can put uh, a sale the, price. Yeah, yeah. So, so my question is, what is the major difference? Okay, if you read the, I'll go and find a, the link that Amazon uh, posted and I'll type it in the chat after this. But um, if you run the coupons or I know for sure if you run coupons and if you had uploaded your offer by the 28th of August, then it can be eligible for special merchandising, meaning Amazon will market it for sale, uh, that it's a prime deal, a prime day deal. Uh, if you do prime exclusive discount and Amazon says, and you select that it's only eligible to prime members, uh, because you can select like when you create a prime, prime exclusive discount, you're allowed to select uh, all buyers or prime members only. So if you select prime members only, I think there is a chance that Amazon might select uh, some of these uh, prime exclusive discounts to promote, like uh, they might show up more in like search pages or somewhere on Amazon's site or Amazon might email, you know, if people are interested in your type of product, they might get an email like, here are these products in that category that you're interested in. Uh, yeah, so that's the difference versus if you just set a sale price, uh, it's not going to do anything. Uh, but for the most part, I haven't, like Debbie, I haven't really put a lot of effort into Prime Day over the years since like I've been selling in 2013. Uh, I'm, I will say that last year, Prime Day, my sales on Prime Day and the day after were approximately, I think, three or four times more than a normal day. I didn't do any like very spectacular discount. I only set like the minimum discount allowed. Uh, for Prime Day, which last year was 15%, I think. So I just put like 15% coupon code on some of my listings. Thank you. I would like to add something over here. Um, with the scenario, again, like for me, I have a product which is non-seasonal. It sells throughout the year. Uh, if you're talking about lightning deals, where if, if you consider them, you always need to, because if you want to apply for lightning deals, first of all, Amazon would give you that option in your seller central account, right? And if you select it, you have to uh, pay a certain good amount of money in, a, in, like in advance to even participate in a lightning deal. So at the end of it, you need to also look at, uh, you know, if that is going to be ROI positive for you, getting that amount of sales in the future, you going through lightning deals or not because there are like there are sellers who i know who are doing well on amazon and they sometimes like depending on the sku that they are talking about uh, they sometimes ignore that because it just doesn't seem roi positive for them all right 
apart from that uh, what i've done myself uh, over the past 2 years that i've had these this prime day uh, across 2019 and 2018 is that i don't really give discounts at all i i rather uh, take the advantage of the you know abundant wave of, of traffic that comes in and i actually raise my price and i have a higher spike in my daily units sold on that day as well as the money that i make so that's my strategy but it really depends on the sku Yep. So one more question. So since since everyone talking about Prime Day, the traffic will go goes high naturally. So my question, another question, will you like increase your sponsor as like expense to like reflect this high traffic as well? Yes, I I do that. I do that because that is hundred percent my control. I run my ads throughout the year as long as I have traffic. So during Prime Day, I definitely raise my budget to uh, at a much higher level, maybe twice or even three times the normal daily budget. Yep, thank uh, you. I agree with uh, Rishi and two things to add. Uh, one is if you've been running ads for a while, you can select and zero down on the ads that are have very very good return on spend, uh, and then you pump money on those, not just across the board. Uh, the other thing would be uh, definitely like what Rishi said. You don't have to give a discount. Like my top two best-selling SKUs, I am not giving a discount for Prime Day uh, because I don't need to. Um, yeah, I rather make the bigger profit <laughs> from the naturally right. growing sales. Right, right. That's the business mind, right? Yeah, that that's what I do as well. Generally, I think if you play the discount game, it's a race to the bottom. So it's important to differentiate yourself as a higher value brand, and then you can make more money that way. It's good to know that everybody's on the same page. Yeah, I think a lot depends also, on what I would you like sell. To add. So, uh, um, in my case, because my client is a brand company, so normally they won't go and offer any discount. So they only will link you over a little bit discount on the special occasion, like a Prime Day, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, etc. So this is kind of upside way. In a normal time, I cannot change price at all. So I can only do a little bit discount and promotion on special holiday. Hi, Mark. Hello. How are you? Good, good, good. So we're just, uh, yeah, we've done we've done introductions and we've opened the floor for questions. So people are just asking questions oh, here. Yeah, okay. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right. Any more questions? Uh, Viral wanted to say something. Yeah, Viral. Oh, uh, I was saying. in terms of the coupon uh, generally what we do is uh, we have seen that if there is a significant discount that you are giving as a coupon it's always good to give as a nu- numeric num- percentage like let's say a 5% would come to a dollar value of say 2 dollars it's always good to give a 2 dollar off instead of giving a 5% off so it generally you know the customer can calculate very easily hey i'm getting a 2 dollar off instead of you know 5% which is very difficult for the mind to calculate so that has also worked really well we have done a split test and it has worked almost every time yeah so this is something that i want that's right that's right that's right i've also uh, run almost like maybe 200 plus coupon cycles and i did test uh, the percentage discounts as well as the dollar discounts the dollar discounts for me is uh, every time performs better so 95% mm-hmm. uh, of those 200 cycles are just straight up dollar discounts Agreed. Yeah. 
Yeah. I do have a uh, question though. Uh, um, my laptop might die as well. I don't have power over here, <laughs> India. So, uh, so yeah, I, I do have a question for Jason and Debbie because you guys are selling in multiple marketplaces, and this is with regards to my strategy and the project, a project that I might launch in the future. So, you guys are selling across multiple marketplaces. I would like to understand uh, what, how are you managing your logistics? Are you sending an inventory? Do all of these different marketplaces also have? Uh, you know, FBA sort of feature, or are you just kind of doing it in the FBA manner, international shipping it internationally? Go, Debs. Okay, I'll I'll take this first. Thanks, Jason. Um, so for US, there is the NAF program, so you can ship all your inventory to the US and have that inventory be shared to Canada and Mexico. Um, that's great. And I've just started that recently because I used to, this whole time have been shipping inventory to Canada FBA directly. And the funny thing is after I set up NAF, I realized that all my SKUs cannot be shipped to Canada and Mexico through NAF. NAF has restrictions. So you, right. when you, you, it's really annoying. So I'm back to my original way of shipping the um, Canada FBA and then um, NAF um, fulfills some SKUs to, to Mexico. I'm not going to bother with um, supplying Mexico FBA on my own. I think it's just too small a market. Um, for Europe, the five countries in Europe, um, it, it's, one, um, it's one basket, so one login. I, you can choose which is your... Um, main marketplace so i choose uh, uk because it's english speaking so all my goods go into uk fba and automatically gets distributed to more than five european countries actually um they amazon automatically sends uh inventory to czechoslovakia austria poland yeah including France, the, the regular ones are France, Italy, Spain, um, and Germany. So right. um, it's really easy. It's all one platform. You all just ship, right? And I only need to look at my inventory in the UK and it's all mapped. It's everywhere is the same. So that's really great. The only problem, um, and this is a separate point, only problem with um, working with Europe is that you have to pay VAT. Paying VAT is fine because you just pass on the cost to the customer will pay it. That's fine. Um, the problem is the accounting fees that you have to pay. And that equates to about, depending on if you use Amazon has a program that is much cheaper, but I don't like the accountants there. Um, they've got really bad reviews. Um, if you find your own accountant like I do, um, and I've researched a lot of them, if you want to, if you want more details on that, I can share that with you. Um, a regular accountant would cost, about eight, almost 9,000 euros to cover all the marketplaces. It's a, it's a lot of money. So you have to think about whether you, your profit margin Please. can cover that annual budget of, of roughly 9,000 euros. Um, and then for my other marketplaces, Australia and Singapore um, ship directly into the FBA for those countries. There's, there's no better way of doing it. So you only sell on the Amazon marketplaces, right? Or do you sell on some other alternative marketplaces as well? I find it 
um, no, I'm just doing Amazon and I follow Amazon wherever it goes. So now that they've okay. launched in the Netherlands, for example, then I'm going to try to go there as well. And I want to go to India as well. So now I need to figure out the <laughs> <laughs> legal part of that. Jason, I believe you said you sell on other marketplaces as well, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, so I've primarily focused in terms of Amazon in the US. Uh, recently, I've subscribed to the NAF program. So from the first week that I was on NAF, uh, I had a few sales to Mexico. Um, Canada has been less, even though it's a bigger market. And the reason is because um, a lot of my products are in the beauty category, like half my things. And NARF uh, beauty products are not eligible for NARF. There are restrictions. Um, so they don't work. Um, and then uh, I have some experience in the UK. The other channels would be eBay in the US. So I sync my eBay account in the US uh, to my Amazon US account. And so Amazon does all the fulfillment for my eBay orders. So that's automated and the inventory is all kept in sync. Mm, How do you the do other that? Uh, I use a third party uh, software called Joe Lister, J O E L I S T E R. Uh, so that clones it. essentially once you link it to your Amazon account, you know, API token, etc., uh, then you link it to your eBay account. What it can do, it, it can replicate the Amazon listings onto eBay. So you'll copy the pictures, the content, everything. You don't have to do much work in terms of creating listings all over again. Uh, and then every order is kept in sync. When somebody makes an order on eBay, Amazon will fulfill. The tracking number will be posted into eBay and sent to the eBay customer. Uh, so that's pretty convenient. Um, and let's see. Uh, the other main market, my second biggest marketplace is probably is Singapore. Uh, so in Singapore, it's mainly on my own website. So if you're familiar with SEO, then I think if you know, if you can, you apply the same principles with how you rank on Amazon to rank on a Google search, more, more or less with some adjustments. Uh, so my website, and then in Singapore, there are various uh, e-commerce marketplaces as well. Uh, one of them is called Lazada. So Lazada is owned by Alibaba. Um, that's pretty big. And then uh, there's another one called Q10. Uh, Q10 is uh, the major shareholder. It's actually eBay South Korea. Um, the other big marketplace in Singapore is Shopee. I think Shopee is the fastest growing uh, e-commerce marketplace in Southeast Asia at the moment. Uh, they are pretty aggressive. Uh, they are listed on the New York Stock Exchange actually. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a Singapore startup. What else do we have? How do you manage your inventory over there or the ah. shipments? <laughs> uh, I actually have my own little warehouse space with staff that does the fulfillment. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, it started out of my bedroom, so my spare bedroom. <laughs> and then, yeah, a couple of years ago, we got a, a warehouse space and then we have our stock and our staff goes in there. Um, yep. So, so and those are a, the main channels. There's a comment from Bill here. After December 31st, UK is not in EU, so I know I have had to obtain an EORI number for separate products coming into UK. I'm not sure how this will all work out. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm I think Debs will be familiar with this as well. So once you register to sell in the U, uh, if you want to sell in the UK, you have to get VAT registered. When you register for VAT, essentially you register for an EORI at the same time. 
if you self-register, it's essentially just tick the box. And your EORI number is actually the same as your UK VAT number, just with like four or five zeros in front. Uh, and that number just goes into every shipment that you send into the UK. So that VAT can be tech charged on it and then you claim back when you sell, etc. Right. So um, this, yeah. um, Mac, sorry, I'm going to jump in. Um, Merkla, no, I, I attended a, um, I attended a webinar by my accountant, Avask. So my account, uh, my UK uh, or Europe wide accountant is called AVASK, Avask. Um, they're really, really good. Um, and they had a webinar talking about how what to expect when the UK is no longer part of the EU. Um, I don't remember the details, but I'm essentially waiting. They told us to wait for more clarity. But yes, Bill is right. Um, when the time comes, I am unlikely to be able to do what I'm currently doing, ship into the UK and have it spread out. So it means that I'm going to have to select another country, say maybe France, um, as my main um, VAT base, and then handle UK separately. Um, it will be more cost, um, more logistics cost. So you have to more shipping, double shipping. But in terms of, I think, accounting fees, if you're already paying for accounting fees for all the European markets, then it should be pretty much the same. Um, just that you will have to just ship one extra shipment to a different warehouse. So right now, there's still no clarity yet. Right. So Mohammed Sastro is asking, when you do NARF, do you let Amazon automatically add your listing or list it manually? So Jason, do you want to take this? Uh, sure. Amazon will automatically uh, list the listings that you select for the NAV program. Uh, so in Mexico, they'll convert it to Spanish. Um, and then if you want to, you can always go in and edit the listings. So you pick the listings that you want to be eligible for NAV or submit for NAV. And then you can let the system auto-create them. And then if you want to, you can always just go into that country um, dashboard and edit the listing manually if you want to. Okay, uh, we have a question from Sudhir. Which marketplace is your top pick? If you just have to choose, pick top three with minimum hassle. So Debbie, do you want to go first on this one? Sure. Minimum. There's no minimum hassle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's, Amazon is a lot of work, but as is having a business anywhere is a lot of work, right? So less hassle, uh, US is by far uh, the top pick because even though it's very, com it's not perfect, right? Even though it's very competitive, um, it's got the biggest volume um, and you, at this point, we're still not having to pay any um, accounting fees. I, I don't know if, if Jason has an accountant um, in the US, but right now we're avoiding accounting fees in the US. So it's, less expensive to do business there. Um, if you can afford accounting fees, then Europe is a shoe-in. Um, the volumes there are fantastic, especially for my products because they were originally, cuticle nippers were originally 
invented in Germany. So people understand the product. So it really depends on your kind of product as well when you're picking a market. So there's no, no nobody can tell you what is the best market. It really depends. Um, but yeah, volumes wise, Amazon, uh, US. And if you're selling in US, then Canada is a very natural uh, progression. It's a matter of just cutting and pasting the listings. Uh, it's all in English anyway, so that's it's easy. Um, I can't say what a third marketplace is because for me, Singapore is uh, too small. Um, um, Australia is also too new. Um, yeah, the rest would, are just not big enough. Yeah, I would say the other marketplace also depends on your context. So where you are from, like Viral is in India and India is great for him. Uh, I think if you're based in India, then that would be a natural pick. Whereas like for Deb and myself, we're not in India and um, the barrier to entry is a lot higher for a non-resident Indian, I guess. Yeah, even, even Japan is really a good market. Like after US, Europe, Japan is fantastic. But uh, again, the barrier is higher in terms of, um, I think, the language barrier because everything is in Japan. Like sorry, Japanese language. So that's that's the biggest problem over there. But third largest market is Japan for a lot of things. Right. Okay. So we have a question from Prabhu. What is uh what is the advantage of using NAR for Canada when compared over sending products directly to FBA in Canada? Um, there are pros and cons. For me, the the pros are less hassle. So you just send to FBA wherever in the States and then the listing is replicated via NAF. And when a Canadian customer goes to uh, amazon.ca, they see your listing and then they order and it's fulfilled from the US. The disadvantage is it uh, is probably going to have significantly lower sales because the Canada customer in Canada actually has to pay the international shipping fee. And it's not going to get to them in two days with prime shipping. Um, yeah, so uh, then of course, the other big uh, difference would be um, tax compliance. Uh, if you send directly into FBA Canada, then you have to be Canadian tax compliant. That means getting somebody to do your accounting, filing. Uh, in Canada, there are multiple tax jurisdictions where you have to pay HST, GST, <laughs> Uh, VAT, like depending on the state. And then some states have state tax plus federal tax. Some states only have state tax. Some states only have federal tax. So <laughs> you have to deal with all that if you send directly into um, FBA Canada. Whereas if you send all to the US and then use NAF, Amazon uh, collects and remits uh, sales tax for you. Okay. So it's completely like hands-off. Um, Jason, do you pay taxes in Canada? I only use the NAF program. So uh, um, if you use the NAF program, Amazon handles all taxation. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I have been selling on Amazon Canada for a few years now, and I've never paid any taxes. Are you sure you want this recorded? <laughs> <laughs> Magla, you have to edit this out. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe you can ask me later. <laughs> I'll text privately. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been sending to FBA. Okay, so I have a question to people who are selling in the UK. So if somebody wants 
to expand their market, let's say from the US to the UK, which marketplace do you suggest? And is like, is it better to go with one marketplace at a time or, you know, just have like three or four marketplace and test your listings out? You, you mean if you want to expand to Europe, like do you select the UK or Germany or France? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Which country to start with? Like if you would start. I think in the past, you the UK for us was a natural pick because uh, everything was in English. I didn't have to deal with, uh, like dealing with seller support is already an issue, right? I don't want to deal with seller support in French or German. <laughs> <laughs> and have to Google translate everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... Uh, in the past, I think no-brainer, the UK uh, would be the base. Uh, but with Brexit, I think that puts a spanner in the works. So um, going forward, uh, I don't know, maybe you want to pick Germany. I think after the US, Germany is Amazon's actually second largest uh, marketplace in terms of sales revenue. Okay. Right, so we have a question from Raj. Uh, how do you guys manage hijackers when you go from Mexico and Canada? We do have brand registry, but no trademark. Has Jason or Debbie, have you faced any issues with this? Um, how did you get brand registry without trademark? Yeah, actually, if you have the you register, right? Brand register, you can extend uh, all Amazon marketplaces. But when you have an issue with any hijackers or Amazon, cannot help anything because we don't have any trademark in that particular country. That's an issue now. Um, I haven't had much problem with hijackers because it's a private label brand. So, but when I do find hijackers, I use the Amazon ask a question option mm -hmm. um, and I send them a letter and it's a template that I downloaded from someone from seller forums. This is quite a standard template saying that this is my brand, I own it. And if you don't stop selling this um, ASIN, I will send you a cease and desist letter. And it's just a threat. Um, most of them will quickly take the listings down. Um, I have dealt with hijackers twice, but only on the .com. Uh, so I can't answer with regards to Mexico and Canada. Right. So Romy has a question. Romy, do you want to unmute yourself and ask the question? Uh, hi, uh, everyone. Uh, I would like to ask uh, to Rishi. Um, um, uh, actually, uh, because I'm a new seller, uh, the, the, the biggest problem for me is like the... Uh, the challenging problem for me is to find uh, a product and especially a category. So um, I find a lot of uh, product that is interesting to jump in, but uh, at the end of the day, I just choose the product that is uh, easy to, to go. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, easy to go is like uh, without uh, certification, without FDA, um, without uh, a lot of uh, documentation. So, like uh, Rishi, you you said earlier that you 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 jump into a toy category. Can I know uh, how hard it is actually? Like, uh, what exactly the document needed for join into the toy category? 
Yeah, sure. So, toy is it really depends on what does the toy have, okay? So, if the toy has any small parts which can maybe come out of the product if the kid breaks it, in that scenario, you definitely need to think about, you know, first of all what that small part is. For example, in my product there was a component of magnet in one of my products. So, uh that becomes a concern and uh, if in case any any customer has this issue that this happened with them the toy kind of broke apart and these pieces came out and that one review can basically destroy your listing completely right so at that point of time first of all you have to think about what are you trying to get to the market second in terms of certificates uh, you need a cpc certificate which is a child safety certificate uh, i'm not i don't remember the exact uh, uh full form of it but i have those certificates for all the three skus that i ever launched i have two actively selling one i stopped selling but i ensured that i have a cpc certificate for all the toy products then it also requires a astm certificate at times so that is something that you need to figure out you know i don't really know exactly the rules of the astm certificate or which exact products require that but these are the two certificates that i have for the toy products okay and uh and if you happen to sell something that the kid can like which is a product that the kid might put in the mouth like for example there are these bibs and things like that so in that scenario you have to think about what material it is you know would you require fda certificate or not or things like that but yeah i mean start with something that is definitely simple and requires the least amount of certifications because uh you know uh, it's it's sometimes expensive to get it yourself if the factory doesn't have it but always ensure that you look at the competitor products on and off amazon to figure out what certificates do you need you also have a informal board with amazon seller central to kind of give them give you an idea about what the certifications might be required but they are not very uh, you know uh, learned about it like they they wouldn't really be able to inform you but i do all of these steps and uh, i look for the bigger brands selling on and off amazon and i look for the certifications on their packaging to educate myself better that's one way and the other way to figure out what certifications that you might need is to basically reach out to multiple suppliers in china or elsewhere as well uh, good suppliers who are in business for you know 10 years or plus and if they are like uh, if they are having a similar sort of product just ask them like what certification do you have uh, you know for this product and if you do this exercise with 10 different sellers you will definitely educate yourself and figure out exactly what you need and what what you should be asking for uh, from the seller that you uh, from the supplier that you are going to finally pick uh, so yeah I, i thank you for very very clear explanation so basically uh, if i i do my diligence i i i uh, i try to research like i find this particular product and i i want to try to jump into this category and i already do my diligence like oh i know that this this is need an a and b certification but unfortunately it also needs a c certification that i don't know and i already ship my things into uh, uh, us uh have anyone like uh, have this mistake before like what what will happen what will happen next like will it be a big problem in the custom yeah. or will it be problem in the yeah yeah, yeah. The I'll, I'll i'll give you an example for this scenario this happened with me for like not with my toy products but with an experimental covid related product that i had sent uh, which was very like which wasn't a stupid product like mask or something it was a decent product and we had the certifications for it uh, but uh, what amazon stated is that 
they later decided to define it as a medical grade product okay which wasn't the case when i had listed the product and ordered the product okay so this was a test batch so you know it's it wasn't a very expensive affair for me but this this case has happened with me so then in that scenario my supplier told me that we did not design this to be a medical product so that's why we we did not apply for that certificate which was fair in that their scenario as well uh so yeah i mean in that scenario amazon basically just kind of shuts your listing unless you provide the certificate to amazon and yeah in that scenario there are two options either you provide the certificate or you start figuring out figuring out how do you sell it otherwise without the certificate maybe on some other platforms and things like that but yeah like if there is a certificate issue you amazon will only let you sell once again once you provide the certificate okay and apart from that i would like to add one more point so i use this company called fba achiever which is a logistics freight forwarding company from china okay so uh, like i'm mentioning that because uh, what you can also do as an exercise is that uh, if you decide to lock onto a product just reach out to me i will connect you with the fba achiever team and I, uh, my sales representative over there her name is rebecca uh, she would be happy to help you figure out uh what certifications might be required for customs okay so that's another way for me to figure out what certifications are necessary for the product and uh i like you can do that exercise even if you don't hire her okay or her, hire their, their company for shipping so that's the advantage with them i i advise you this to everybody i connect with that just have a word with them and ask this question to them because they have this sort certain like things figured out and they will get back to you with answers with no expectations uh okay okay Thank you. Also Romy what you can do is reach out to some of the QC and inspections companies. So there's a Kima, Q I M A. They actually do inspections but they also give advice on um certifications that are needed for specific products. Another company is Vitrust. So you know this is what these companies do uh and um you know they are very well versed with specific categories. So they will usually be able to give you a very comprehensive and detailed answer. and um also as far as your question about a product getting stuck at customs i think raj had that issue with one of the products right was that because of a certification raj that your product got stuck uh no my one was stuck because of the ior issue oh okay, uh, okay. yeah yeah okay got it yeah. all right let's see if we have more questions so uh, prabhu is asking this is for debbie does amazon allow you to sell in canada directly without tax registration Yes, okay. I think you've answered it. So. I'm a bit afraid now to, to say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to the next one. Sudhir, question for Viral. For India setup, a subsidiary is more apt for NRI or do we need to set up a local company? So NRI is non-resident Indian. Viral, any suggestions, advice? Uh, if you have friends and family or you always better to go with local company becomes very much easier with all the steps that is required but um, if you don't have one you can do it through other companies or agencies that make loans or has one india finance right or you could also set up a subsidiary company i guess that's his question right if you have um maybe a company in singapore you could set up a subsidiary of your singapore company in india yeah but that would be way Very expensive, uh, as far as I know, and it will take a lot of paperwork and everything. But if you want to go through that route, it's it's still advisable to open a new company. You can freely do it without any complication. Otherwise, it would take a lot of money and time to start 
with the subsidiary. Right. Okay, question from Raj. Does anyone have insurance for selling on Amazon? Jason, do you have insurance? Especially because yours is a medical or beauty kind of product. Oh, mine's not medical. Yeah, Margaret's not medical. shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, you, you need to unmute yourself, Margaret. <laughs> no, her lips are sealed. <laughs> um, I have talked to Amazon about it. I have talk to very senior people in senior insurance companies about it. Uh, I'll say that it's pretty messy. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, messy. It's very straightforward if you have an American company because it's much more mature in the States like people selling online and on Amazon. So many, many insurance companies in the States, like even from the big ones like Wells Fargo, they do provide uh, insurance uh, that covers Amazon sales. Um, but you have to be a US registered and uh, as a seller, you have to be a US entity. Um, having said that, uh, I can share some links and you can go contact several insurance companies. Um, there are a few that Amazon recommends in Singapore for selling in the US. Um, and the main thing that, Am there's actually only one thing that Amazon wants. They want you to include them in your coverage. Uh, there's essentially just one clause that Amazon says you need to uh, include in your um, business insurance that covers Amazon up to one million US dollars in damages. Right, Debbie, do you want to add to that? I know you posted a message, uh, of an answer here, but do you want to just verbalize that? Sure. Yeah. And and um. Anyway, I would like those links from Jason. <laughs> that would be really interesting. Yeah. So um, I started looking into insurance because I wanted to sell to American um, retailers. You know, like Nordstrom or the supermarkets. There, there's a website called Range Me. Um, that links people like us, manufacturers or um, brands from all over the world. Um, to buyers um, in the US and they, I keep keeping, uh, hitting a roadblock because without um, product liability insurance, that's the main type of insurance that we're looking at, product liability insurance. Um, without that, a lot of US companies will not buy from us. Although I'm not so sure. I mean, I've done business with other, some US companies and they don't ask for insurance at all. So it really depends on how particular um, the, the company you're selling to is. Um, so I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't buy insurance because they needed me to have a US registered company. So I started talking to some um, um, companies that help you create a US company. Um, and and realized that it was a lot of paperwork and a lot of tax um, declarations in different states and different cities and you have to collect um, taxes. And it, it basically is a very convoluted uh, system. And based on, it, it's, it's not hard to start a US company at all. 
just pick a, you know a state like Delaware. They've got you know um, low entry, uh, low barrier of entry. Um, it's it's inexpensive, couple hundred dollars to maintain um, your registration a year, but taxation is a big problem, and then you have to go hire an accountant. Um, and 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 I just felt like it wasn't worth it. So, Range Me told me later on that they will accept my Singapore insurance. Um, so that's what I've been looking into here. And I've made an appointment to see my insurer, but I, um, it's my friend and they're busy living their lives. So they haven't gotten back to me. Um, <laughs> but then I don't know where I saw on Amazon recently. I don't know what new uh, feature it was that required us to have insurance. Um, I, I really cannot remember. So all I remember is that uh, Amazon is now asking for insurance and or not not completely asking for insurance yet, but I think it's going in that direction. Um, so I'm starting to ask those questions. And I think if I, ha if I find out something, I'll come back and share it um, on the Telegram, our Telegram group. Right. Okay, so we have another question from Mohammed Sastro. When is the right condition to convert from individual registered seller to company, LLC perhaps, registered seller? Who wants to take this? So, Jason, did you always start with a company? Sure. Uh, I think it depends on the tax jurisdiction that you are in. Uh, so then you have to be familiar with uh, taxation and the different tiers and corporate versus individual income taxes in that jurisdiction. Uh, so for me, uh, for example, I have registered two entities in Singapore and then um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was here talking to a CPA in Australia uh, about um, registering a suitable vehicle here. Um, so... In the, I don't know, uh, Sastro, are you, where are you based in? Because, okay, anyway, I'll just use my Singapore example. Uh, so in Singapore, I started off with a limited liability partnership, which um, essentially the tax is tax at personal income tax level. And then in Singapore, there's a tax threshold where uh, essentially if your taxable personal income crosses 80,000 Singapore dollars per annum, um, the income tax, there's a huge jump in the income tax bracket and what's charged. Uh, and so between me and my partner, when we cross that in total, then it made more sense for us to become a private limited company. Uh, that's what uh, a company is called in Singapore, which is equivalent to, like, I think, a US LLC. Um, because uh, the corporate tax rate was lower than the personal income tax rate at that point. So, of course, that's just one consideration in terms of whether you want to sell um, with tax at the individual personal rate or versus a corporate rate. I think the other thing that you want to think about is uh, liability. Uh, having a limited liability entity can be uh, does provide you some... Um, protection in terms of um, liability being limited to the corporate entity. And that's a very real thing I always tell people. Uh, my wife is a former lawyer and I've literally uh, seen them go and confiscate 
people's uh, assets. Yikes. <laughs> okay. So are there any more questions from anyone? You can unmute yourself. Uh, can I ask about uh, launching strategy here? <laughs> sure. Um, Just so, ask me anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as I uh, try to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now in the process of like creating sample and produce, uh, mass produce the product. Uh, but uh, the product itself is actually uh, um, not a high risk one, but I'm doing this first batch just to test uh, how the game plays, how the game playing in the Amazon, especially in the banking system. Um, I, uh, I like uh, try to research a lot of um, information from the internet, like a lot of ways of, to, of ranking, like the basic way is like with PPC and a discount, but there's a lot of ways like uh, many chat and the easier like a rebate key, but you have to pay to play. Um, can you like, um, can like uh, can you give me a suggestion of which which way I should take as a starter? Like it's really confusing because like uh, you have to do PPC, you have to Facebook ad, you have to do like a many chat, you have to do like rebate keys, like and sometimes like you 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 are afraid to like try because you don't know which things is like gonna trouble you in 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 terms of. Amazon TOS, like, uh, so I would appreciate any suggestion for me like, for a new seller. Right. Who wants to take this? Jason, you unmuted yourself. Uh, I was going to say, Felix, do you want to try answering? Felix has gone through my training like a couple of years ago and he's doing pretty well now. So, and I chat with him every now and then. I just spoke <laughs> to him on the phone couple of days ago. Yep. Hello, I'm Felix. Hi, Felix. Yep. I, I guess for start, um, you do not have to overthink. Like for me, what I do is to just do PPC. Yeah. There's even like a lot of talks uh, maybe uh, last time about doing giveaways and stuff like that and trying to rank your way up. So my, my, my thought is that uh, if you try to do giveaways, and you push your product all the way up, up to page one. And if your product don't deserve to be on page one, which the market decides, you are just going to fall right off and then uh, you'll waste, you know, all the products that are given away. And the most straightforward way is to just bid a bit higher for PPC and then you will just appear on page one. Right, so I think that is a more straightforward way. And if you are, and if your product deserves to be on page one, and then uh, with PPC, you should be able to rank uh, relatively easy. Uh, of course, uh, the competition has to be low. Mm. Yeah. So I would say, don't think so much. Just go for PPC. <laughs> okay. Uh Here's my, uh, for me, I major on fundamentals uh, rather than trying to do like all this airy fairy stuff. I have, I'll come right out and say I've never used rebate key before. I have 
not spent a cent on a Facebook ad for the last two years. Uh, probably like maybe $100 like three years ago. Um, I have not had to do any giveaway for years now and I launch multiple new products every year. Um, and uh, my track record is like, for example, last year I launched eight new listings and every I'm out of those I'm selling, like almost all of them still continue to sell uh, hundreds of units each per month. So what I mean by majoring on fundamentals is it's not about product. It's not about category. I couldn't care less about the category I sell in, to be honest. Uh, it's completely irrelevant in my opinion. Uh, what I look for is keywords. Like this morning, I was doing keyword research to write a new listing uh, for a product that I've just ordered several hundred units of uh, that I'm going to, um, well, it's a new listing. Uh, so as I was doing keyword research for that, I uh, essentially came up with a list of 2,000 some keywords. Uh, I was using Helium 10. And then I narrowed that down to a couple of hundred keywords. But as I was going through the keyword list, I found a a keyword that was completely unrelated to my product. And I'll just throw it out here. Free free keyword for you guys. Uh, the, the keyword was root pouches. I'm like, what in the world is a root pouch? So when I come across a keyword like that, I go research it on Amazon. And then, whoa, the first row of products is three out of the four products on the first row of page one for the search results of root pouches were not root pouches. I think three of them were books. And then the fourth product was an actual root pouch. Uh, that kind of keyword gets me excited because it means if I go source a root and, the, and there are people selling like a lot of root pouches using root pouch and many other keywords. But when I find a keyword like that, that's like you have, you know, like you're panning for gold and then boom, uh, suddenly like you come across a giant, like 10 kilo nugget. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you are able to find key, the right keywords that have low competition, then it's very easy to rank for. Uh, I always use this example. Uh, it, it's quite common for me. I, let's say I, this year I shortlist, or last year I shortlisted like eight new uh, products to launch. So I, then I source them and then I create the listings and then I send them in. And then what happens is uh, I don't even bother to track where they are sometimes now like okay whatever it's somewhere on the sea I don't know when it's going to arrive so then I just contact my sourcing agent and says hey where's the thing now has it arrived then my sourcing agent this literally happened he said oh yeah it arrived last week didn't you know and then what happened was uh, I went on to Amazon I apologized to my agent I said oh sorry <laughs> I didn't check the tracking <laughs> I should have done that but I went on to Amazon and I checked and the, one of the listings had already started selling like a couple of units per day without me even having to run any PPC ad or do anything. It was just a skeleton listing. It, the copywriting was uh, probably 80% done. So it had all the right keywords. It was written nicely, uh, crafted nicely, I like to say. But there was only one ugly picture that I took in a bathtub with my mobile phone. But 
it just started selling because I was optimized for low competition keywords. Therefore, I just immediately started showing up on page one and two for several keywords uh, from day one. So for me, the fundamental is I always look for low competition keywords and I let the keywords dictate the product I sell. If you pick a product and you cannot find any keywords, I've met so many people uh, in that situation. They think they have a great product or they do actually have a fantastic product, but the product has no usable keywords. They spend $30,000. I have met people spend $30,000 on ads, okay, marketing and have no sales to show for it after all that. Uh, yep. So, uh, yeah, so that's my advice. Right. And, uh, yeah, so it all comes down to keywords. And the other thing that you can do is early reviewer program. I think that helps as well because once you have a few reviews, then you'll, you'll notice that your and if you have good reviews, of course, you have to have a good quality product. And if you start getting positive reviews, then you'll see your organic sales increase and um, vice versa. If you get a negative review, then you'll see your <laughs> organic sales start to decrease as well. So, but yeah, have a good product, good, do good keyword research and then uh, PPC and early reviewer program. I think that Mark, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, look, I think too, I think Raj just posted it, but the Vine Reviewer program is quite good. Now, it used to be quite expensive, and at the moment, it is free. You just have to give away your products. You can't have more than 30 reviews. So once you get to 30 reviews, it will stop. Amazon won't do run it any longer. And I think you can choose anywhere between like one and 30 reviews. So if you do it in the first, you know, a couple of weeks, you can actually give away 30 products. You don't always get a review for every product that they take. Some of the people don't bother to leave a review. So you might get 80%, but usually they're quite good reviews. I usually have a lot of photos. One of my students, we just did it and they've got some fantastic, nearly every review has a lot of photos with it. Um, so you get quite good value I think out of it uh, and they highlight them in green so it, it looks like Amazon supports that review because it's sort of saying it's a Vine review from their program so I think it has quite a bit of standing um, so it's a good way to get yourself you know that in the early review program you can probably get 30 reviews in the first um, you know couple of months which is a big help. So you can do like images. Let me go ahead. Oh sorry. Um, so you can do fine program and early reviewer program together? Yeah, early reviewer program, it costs you $60 and you get five or six reviews for that. But that will you'll need to get a few sales. So you might only get one review in the first couple of weeks and depending how many sales you're getting because they don't give it out to every person. So you've got to have a, a substantial amount of sales. Whereas with the Vine program, you can basically give away 30 products in the first three weeks and you'll get the reviews within the next week or so. So it just means you, you know, you, you're giving away you know, the value of a product, but it's a lot cheaper than doing all the other ones um, that are around because you can't get a review from, you know, rebate key or anything else now. So at least this way you're guaranteed um, to get, you know, something out of it, I think. I also think that images are so important. So of course you've got your keywords, you've got the right product, good quality product. And then the next thing you need to focus on is images and uh, you know, get your um, lifestyle images done and, and uh, 
just focus on getting very high quality images. And nowadays video is allowed too. Even if you're not brand registered, you can post a video. Has anybody here tried um, posting videos? What kind of experience have you had? And uh, how did you get your videos done? Any suggestions from anyone? Jason, do you have videos for your products? Yeah, I have one video. Uh, so you can upload videos now on as one of the images. Um, and then uh, you can also, if you're brand registered and you have a video, then you can also run a sponsored display or sponsored brand ad, which is the video playing at various places. Um, uh, how did I get it done? I use a um, service that's based in the States to do a simple video. Uh, well, yeah, um, it's, what's the service? I'll type it in the chat. Right. Yep. And uh, did you notice an increase in like sales or conversions or anything after you? I think some, like uh, the video ad campaign does result in some sales. I think it really depends on your product type, whether it suits a video, because mm -hmm. some products just lend themselves well to having a video, like showing them, showing it in use, like a toy, let's say it's a toy product and it's a kid playing with it. I think that's really eye-catching, whereas like uh, certain products might, uh, videos might not like make a big difference. Yeah, I uh, created a video using my phone. I have a small light box in the office and it was the same as like taking product uh, photos, but doesn't make it into a video. And I use iMovie. So I searched for a lot of uh, cheap free programs online that can help me take out the um, detached audio from the video or, you know, put in some subtitles or put in my logo. Um, and the best program that I found that was free was iMovie <laughs> on my MacBook. Um, so yeah, I, I did that and I could change the, um, what do you call, layout of the video. Yep. Make, and because Amazon has a lot of rules, like this whole document on um, the specs for the video. So it has to be, you know, this way, uh, landscape. And then I just followed those specs and then uploaded it as a sponsored brand's video. And the two days or the one day after I uploaded it, um, because there's so little competition on the video front, so videos really um, attract people's attention. I think the people who were, comp there was only one other brand that was competing with my, for my keywords and, and um, our videos would show up alternating. Because when I keep um, searching um, for the same keyword, like our videos would alternate in the same space. Um, and I sold um, one of my newest products uh, the same day. Um, thanks to that that one sponsored brand's video, but I haven't um, checked to see if there's any uh, good results since then. That was last week, I think. Um, but I'm interested to know how to put this video in the listing. Are you guys talking about that? Is it is videos allowed in the yes. listing? Yes, yes, So it's one of no. the images. No. Oh, so like you go into the edit yeah. images uh, tab, right? In edit the listing, and then you just upload it as one of the images. Yes. Yeah, it's Thank it's you. recently they announced it recently. Uh, it doesn't say video; it just says upload image still. But you just upload the video file. And you can upload one. Yes. The last. And one. I think the last time I did this about a month ago for one of my listings, um, it did say that if you have more than six images, then the video might not show up. So I did five images, and the six I did a video. 
the other thing, yeah, that's a really good uh, tip from Debbie about uh, just using your phone to do a simple video. I think Sudhir also put it in the chat here. Yeah. Uh, I've done this a couple of times before also, uh, like for my own website, where you just take a few photos, for example, or short video, and you can do it like a slideshow style. And I use actually an, like a handphone app that like some app, free app that does videos. <laughs> and then as long as you have like moving text, it's already a video, right? And then you just need like a five second looping video essentially where the text just like scrolls across the screen and then the product just moves or something like that. Yeah, you can do that great. with Canva as well. Ah, yep. yeah. So, yeah. so you have slideshows with, and they have like stock animations. So your video actually looks pretty nice for a slideshow. And yes. it's free. Canva is really good. Yeah, yeah Canva is really good, yeah. So Viral, I have a question for you. Uh, sorry, Mark, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's really important is to have lots of infographics on your some of your images. I mean, if you've got a feature, you should have, you know, an arrow pointing to whatever features with what they are and your dimensions because people don't always read the bullet points where they can scan down and see how, you know, wide or how tall it is or it's got, you know, rubber feet on it or whatever it is, and you can really quickly show all that in one or two images. And I think a lot of people miss out on doing that, and it really helps to sell your product quickly with people looking at it. Right. Jason has a very detailed article on his blog about images, so uh, check it out at jasontayonline.com. I think he published it a couple of months ago. Um, okay, Viral, I was going to ask you, so how do you launch products on Amazon in India? I mean, is it just the same uh, that, yeah. that we do in amazon.com yeah so with india generally lost softwares are not there so whatever training we see from helium 10 and other softwares none of them are there in india it just got launched a few days back also if you see the jungle scout and everyone um, the datas are very very uh, off chart if you see with india so what we do is generally um, we go with the uh, problem solving product and in, when it comes to launch, we do a lot of influencer marketing. So we have a lot of, we approach to a lot of YouTubers, Instagram and Instagram influencers. And we start with like, you know, giving them a good deal in their audience so that, you know, they can promote our program uh, products. So that is why we do uh, like we first go with the influencer marketing. And then generally we do a re really heavy PPC. So that's how we launch, you know, so we get initial reviews through, influencers and a little bit traction going on and we support through the PPC for the rest of the launch. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, we have one question from Sudhir. What's the right product quantity you, you guys start with? So I think that's also become a bit more complicated now because of new uh, guidelines that Amazon has on the inventory restrictions. So how are you guys managing all of this? Uh, Mark, do you want to go first? You, you're launching a few new products. How are you managing your uh, quantities? Um, well, at the moment, well, we've always, well, the last 12 months, we've changed to keeping most of our products in a 3PL and feeding Amazon because I blew so much money the Christmas before last on storage. I'm not ever doing that again um, because I've managed to put products in in December and in the past and get them in, you know, within a few days. This year could be a different story, but we now don't have a choice because most of us can only put in 200 of any product 
at the moment with the IPI scores and everything. Um, so I'm, I've actually sat down because I've got quite two new products I'm launching, which you don't get any extra credit for. So I've got to try and squeeze those in with the um, volume that I've been given, which is going to be really hard. So I've sat down and sort of physically worked out how many cubic feet each product takes. So, you know, I can put a hundred of these and a hundred of those and 50 of those, and I'm just going to have to keep drip feeding basically weekly as soon as I've sold out, um, you know, 150 or a hundred, depending how quickly um, Amazon are filling back in. Because at the moment last week, it took me 10 days to get a product um, from or sitting or sitting at Amazon for 10 days once it, um, it got to their warehouse before it got checked in. So um, it's just, it's going to be so hard to tell how we're going to really manage it this year because we don't know how long Amazon's going to take to check our products in. Um, because if everyone's sending in stock virtually daily, um, is it going to have a bigger backlog than people who have usually filled up the warehouse, um, you know, in October and left a lot of stock there. So I really don't know. I've got the backup because I'm in a um, warehouse that I can do FBM if I need to um, as well. So it's just wait and see for me um, and take it. I think it's just going to be take every week as it comes and the rules will probably change 10 times between now and Christmas. Like we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We have a question from Muhammad. accounting question. Do I have to use accounting platforms or accounting services? And then when Amazon gives payout bi-weekly, how should I manage the money correctly? How much percentage for new inventory percentage for me percentage for tax, how to manage the money wisely? Who wants to take this? Debbie, do you uh, want to? Oh, Mark, go ahead. Well, I would say I don't particularly um, have any software because it's all very expensive. If you've got like A2X um, and um, all those, it's a few hundred dollars a month to, to have those services converted into, especially for us in Australia, into Australian dollars. Uh, so the Amazon reports are fantastic. I mean, you can survive, you can print at the end of them every month their sales reports and it tells you every single thing that's happened in Amazon. You'll never balance your Amazon account to the cent. Um, forget trying to be an accountant and balance it because they're holding back money and you don't know what they're holding back for this and that. So um, all I do is keep my monthly reports, give them to my accountant at the end of the year and say, this is what's happened in Amazon. I've drawn this much out. I've paid for stock for this. I've got this much stock and I keep it very simple. Anything that I pay on my credit card or my transfer-wise debit card or whatever, I just put into an Excel spreadsheet. Um, that way I'm not paying fortune in accounting fees. I mean, it might be different if you've got 100 SKUs or 200 SKUs, but, I mean, we're only sort of medium size. So to me, um, I don't think it's worth paying all that extra money for accounting fees because um, at the end of the day, and to, to worry about how much you should take out, if it's a new business, I don't think you'll take anything out for 12 months you need to build and grow. So to me, um, Amazon or any business, bricks and mortar, whatever, if you can ever draw a profit in the first 12 months, I think you're extremely lucky. Um, you really need to feed that money back in to get more inventory and build your business slowly. Um, you know, get that second product going or get some extra stock if you're sort of running out. But yeah, don't contemplate worrying about how much you take out. I think you take out if you think, oh, I don't need any stock for the next six months. Um, I might take some money out, but otherwise, I mean, I'm still growing, I'm launching new products, so we don't take very much money out of the business at all, really. I um, haven't taken anything out since about last 
January. So we've just built up all our money to buy all our new stock for Christmas for our new products and everything else. Right. So Jason, what about you for accounting? Um, do you have any software that you use or how do you manage your accounting? I've been approached by A2X. They flew into Singapore and want to talk to me. They said, hi, I'm in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in Sydney and I'm in Perth. So, <laughs> uh, But yep. Uh, when I started for the first few years, I just used an Excel spreadsheet. Um, then uh, in the last couple of years, I've, uh, I, I use an accountant and they use zero. So, um, but I don't use A2X yet. Uh, all I do is at the end of the month, I download the reports from Amazon and I, up, uh, I send them to my accountant. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, so then for expenses, I mean, with zero and all that, they have a system. I essentially just upload the receipts and whatever invoices from suppliers, etc. So that's how I do it. Right. So Raj is saying, Mark, please conduct a session on Amazon bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark has run so many different businesses over her career. Uh, this is what she really specializes in. Okay, let's start wrapping up now. Let's take a few last questions here. So this is for uh, Viral. How do you source products in India for Amazon India? What is your strategy? Okay, Join so, the India sourcing mm. group. <laughs> 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 of course, Megla um, has one of the fantastic groups, so you can look out there and join. She has VIs show every every single week. I feel every uh, month. Apart from that, um, <laughs> every month. Okay. Um, so for India, like for sourcing goods locally, we have a couple of websites. Something there is something called as IndiaMart.com. Then there is um, Udan. So these are the two websites that we generally use uh, for finding suppliers. And uh, also like if uh, there are times that, so finding suppliers in India is very challenging. Okay. So let's say if you don't find good suppliers in both these sites, then we start Googling it and we get a lot of just dial numbers. So we uh, you know start approaching these people whom we find on the Google. So that is uh, one of the things that, that we do also we attend a lot of exhibitions and the fairs that ha happen so one is the daily fair that happens which is um, pretty good uh, for exports and even we source a lot of goods locally for from those suppliers and there are local exhibitions happening every now and then so yeah these are the few areas that we explore yeah yeah i just want to also caution people about india mart a little bit so there are a lot of companies on India Mart that are not export focused, they don't have any export experience. So just be a bit aware of that. If you're exporting products from India, then it's better to go for Alibaba or, or global sources because they are the more export yeah. focused directories. Um, okay, Bill, you raised right. your hand. Do you have a question? Yeah, hi, good, good afternoon. I, I think for everybody, it's uh, sort of mid afternoon here. Uh, I'm in Northern Ireland. This is my first time being on this and I'd like to thank Magda for her advice, and I would just uh, reiterate what she said there. I recently tried to source stuff from India Mart uh, and paid for some samples, and uh, they've disappeared. <laughs> but uh, I, I am new at this, so uh, I'll just take that off. To, wasn't very much money, thankfully, but uh, I'll just put that down to experience. So yeah, I would uh, 
school was what you recognize said on that. Right, right. And I have, just by the by, I have to thank everybody because the knowledge in this group has been fantastic. I've written down so many notes. It's awesome. <laughs> so thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for joining us today, Bill. Uh, um, the Sorry, yeah. uh, Megalus Virtual India Sourcing Show and her group and website um, about on sourcing from India. With, and then she co-hosts with Margaret and Kevin, uh, the monthly um, sourcing shows. I mean, guys, that, that is, uh, I, I recommend that unreservedly. There's some like amazing suppliers there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, quite mind-blowing. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot for that, Jason. So we do um, vet these suppliers very carefully. And, um, you know, Marg and Kevin do a lot of the groundwork, selecting these suppliers and cold calling them. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun. Um, okay, let's take a couple of last questions and we'll wrap up here. So Raj is asking, do you think Q4 will be chaos? <laughs> Yes, everybody's nodding their heads. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty, right, Jason? What do you think? Uh, at the rate it's going, I, I get about, I get a bunch of uh, refund emails from Amazon every single day, like multiple. And then when I check, I open the email. A lot of them are uh, delivered late by carrier or undeliverable address. Um, so these are like every single day I get these uh, refunds. Um, I think it's just going gonna, gonna to increase in Q4. Uh, at the same time, I've also engaged like a third-party logistics company. I've actually engaged two. One of them, uh, six of my SKUs, I think I've done FBM uh, sometime, toward, sometime in the middle of like the COVID whole situation in April or May. Uh, and then what happened was I started getting contacted by customers because you realize with FBA, Amazon handles the customer service for returns, refunds, and all that, right? And delivery problems. Now it's my problem. <laughs> After I started getting like that, I like, no, I don't want to do FBM. I don't want to deal with this. Because <laughs> uh, essentially what I do is I don't want to get the return. Because if it's returned, I have to send them a return like prepaid shipping thing to send to the third-party logistics. Then I have to pay the third-party logistics company a fee for every return item to process it in. Uh, so I when, when somebody wants a refund, I say, keep the item, I'm refunding you in full. <laughs> so uh, for me, like, okay, forget FBM. I'm going to try to be as much FBA as possible. Uh, yep. Yeah, I agree with Jason. I... FBM is going to be my absolute last resort um, because we did, like Jason, some FBM in COVID and it's just turns into it. And it's a lot more work unless you're using a um, fulfilment centre that actually has compu is completely computerised and does it all for you. I mean, we were having to go every time we got a message and then create a shipping label, which even with ours to do it even... Um, computerized it's still cheaper to produce your label out of Amazon otherwise you're paying a much dearer courier rate yep. so it means you've you know so if you're selling 100 or 200 things a day you've got to print out 200 labels or not print them out but download the file and send them off to your Kevin's very busy. Yeah, it'll be job that's your <laughs> VA's job <laughs> but um, yeah so I don't really want to do it but if you know it gets to the point of you know December the well, for us I find and I don't know about you and Jason and Deb, but 
for us, December 8th to December 20 is just the crazy, really silly, mad, where you're just selling so much in a day. And I don't want to be sitting here and can't even keep up with doing labels. Yep. Um, so, and then if you ship, because then you get bad scores, because if it doesn't leave the 3PL mm-hmm. the same day and the girl, oh, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just really, really hard to handle. But, you know, who knows? We might yep. be completely out of stock and it might be all sitting in Amazon's yard for two weeks before Christmas and can't get stock in. So we might have to do that um, if we want to sell anything. So I just think it's, I don't know. We just you, well, I'm just waiting week by week and trying to see how quickly I've just actually done mm. another shipping plan that I've got going in tonight. So or it's actually left my courier or by courier. So I'll see how quickly Amazon check that one in. Um, if it's another ten days, it's not really good because I mean it's only September and they're still taking mm. ten days. How long you know how are they going to cope in the rush? Um, so yeah. Just don't, and it's a bit of a worry because we've all invested a lot of money in stock because everyone's saying it's going to be a fantastic Christmas, and then Amazon throw this curveball that oh, hang on, you can only put in two hundred, and you can't do this, and you can only have this. So it's made everyone's investment pretty risky because there's a lot of people with a hell of a lot of stock, and they're all paying three PL costs. And even if you're just putting stock into three PL all the time, it isn't as cheap as going straight into Amazon. Yep. Um, except for Q4 because there are the fees of getting it packed in, packed out. But then Q4 in Amazon is $2.40 a cubic foot. It's only, I don't know, 70 cents or whatever it is in your 3PL. So, um, you know, yep. pros and cons, I suppose. Cool. That yep. Uh, I think if you want to use a 3PL, like the 3PL I use for FBM, they are synced with Amazon. So I don't have to like, download and send them labels. It's just all automated. Uh, However, the shipping cost is still much higher than FBA shipping fees. Uh, I think it's like anywhere from two to three times higher. So Amazon just has unbelievably low shipping rates. Yeah. Well, that's why our 3PL suggested that we give him the labels. We still use the computerized program, but we Mm -hmm. send him the labels. So he does, he waits for my label. And that way I save, you know, quite a lot on on shipping because it can be, Ten or twelve dollars right. to yep. freight yep. something across, right. especially you know New York to California. Uh, so what Mark is doing is she's buying the prepaid shipping from Amazon and yeah. sending the Amazon prepaid labels to the three PL to use. So it is cheaper, but you know, depending on the volume you've got, yep. it might even pay you to employ a somebody <laughs> a VA to do that. But Kevin, I free. do you need it? <laughs> Kevin, you need some casual work. Hey, Jason, which, which company do you use for? Uh, I'm currently using uh, ShipBob for my um, FBM. Yep. So I have uh, something to say, like, because, because you guys have shared a lot about uh, how FBA is much better than FBM. Um, I wanted to have to show you guys a little bit of a, the other side of the story because I actually initiated FBM because FBA wasn't doing well enough, wasn't, wasn't up to par. So FBA, make no doubt, is still the best. It's still the best shit. Um, excuse my French. But <laughs> FBA is still the best. But um, with COVID, there was a really big problem um, with fulfilling, like the Amazon warehouses were having a, a really big problem fulfilling. And I had orders piling up like crazy. Um, and I started using a 3PL, uh, I think two years ago, because I wanted to sell into the um, American market outside of Amazon. 
So I had already started, you know, putting goods there and um, shipping out like just a few pieces uh, of orders um, uh, a week through FBM. It was just like another option. If people wanted that option, they, they could. Um, they could buy the FBM SKU. Um, so thank goodness I had my FBM set up because um, they could, my, the stock could still get, the, the orders could still get to um, the customers during COVID. And, and my, if you find the right um, service provider, you can get better um, shipping rates. And, one of the, and, and I don't want to recommend my guy because I want to get rid of him. He's not great for a lot of things. He's pissing me off. Um, but the good thing about this um, 3PL in uh, Kansas City is firstly, they're in Kansas in the middle of the country. So shipping anywhere um, in the US from Kansas is really, really great. You can ship to the East Coast, West Coast um, very easily. Um, and he had the best shipping rates and it's better than Amazon's uh, rates. So I could save by selling FBM. So then I gave my customers the, uh, the option. Um, so if, if you want uh, a good FBM guy, you go, I, I don't know who else to recommend. I want to go find that guy with the best shipping rates um, and a very accessible uh, location. And I use BigCommerce um, as my platform for my website as well as all inventory management. So it's synced with uh, Amazon and all my orders go straight to the uh, warehouse and it just gets fulfilled there. And I do have to respond to customer queries. Customers will say, oh, you know, I want to return it and I don't like your product, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I actually really like communicating with my customers because on the Amazon platform, you don't have that kind of personal touch. If you're selling, you know, millions of units like Jason, you don't have the time. Like my, my um, sales volume is probably significantly lower. So when I do get comments or emails from customers, I find that it's a great opportunity to do service recovery. Um, I will tell them, don't bother sending it back. Here's a full refund. Take care of yourself. It's COVID, you know. Um, if you have any questions, ask me. And then I get those, that kind of customer service translating into good reviews and five stars on my listing. So there's pros and cons um, for this, for FBM and for the extra work that you're putting in. Good points. Right. And Mark is using um, a 3PL on the East Coast DSP warehouse, and they seem to be, you know, very good. Yeah, they, very yeah, they have a lot of automation and all, right, Mark? I mean, we featured them all, in the previous VIS as well. And they're not, they're quite, quite cheap for storage. They're only $25 a pallet um, or $5 a day. So um, I think it works out too. It's cheaper than West yeah, Coast. It's, it's cheaper than West, a lot of the um, other um, places. But I've found a lot of people have been approaching me. I'm in a couple of masterminds and they've been all trying desperately to find 3PLs and have their rates gone up. Oh, my God. Um, they're wanting $6 to put stuff in, $6 to take stuff out, 30 something dollars a pallet. And so I think 
um, a lot of the places are so busy that they've just they're just naming their own price. So a lot of people are struggling to find a reasonably priced three PL now to handle their service. Um, so that's something you've really got to take into yep. account because that yep. can kill all your profit. You know, yep. before you know it, um, if you're paying a three PL that you hadn't factored into your costing, if you're running a pretty tight ship and you haven't got a lot of um, meat in your product, you'll have nothing left while you yep. pay all those extra fees. If, if any of you have gone in, tell them if any of them have gone in from India to go yeah, in. Yeah, to... just if anyone is sourcing from India to the States, the best place to ship to is New York. It's much quicker. It's only 21 days from Nabashiva, which is the yes. main port, into New York. Whereas if you go to California, you actually go up through um, the Malacca yeah. Strait and to Korea and you get unloaded in Korea and onto another ship. So it turns out to be about five weeks plus. I mm. mean, we, we did it once um, and because mm. Amazon gave us California and it cost us, uh, I think it was eight or nine weeks sitting on a, you know, because it got stuck on the port in Korea and missed two ships and it just went on. So And also um, it's, yeah. it's dearer because of uh, California's oh, more green yeah. and more, more cleaning or more environmental yeah, the, yeah, the costs are a lot, a lot cheaper at New York port than at um, Californian yeah. port as well. So that's just for anyone only from India, not from China. It doesn't work from China. It only works from India. I think that brings up like a really good point about making sure that you have enough margins. Uh, yeah. Yep. So it gives you a lot more wiggle room. Right. With, with New York, the shipping time is also very, very less. With, with Navaseva to New York, it's around 20 to 25 days um, your goods are received. And also the warehouse, which is there, A1B1. Um, I'm recently shipping there only. Yeah. So it's it's very nearer. So um, it's it's pretty cheap, nearer, and it's very much the one can take from India yeah. to... No, yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah, we found it it works a lot better. And I mean, our well, the, the DSB warehouse is very near to the port and it's also um, just down the road from AEB8 or ABE8 warehouse. And apparently the um, courier, US um, Amazon courier service is next door to him, basically. So every day at four o'clock, they just go to the factory and pick up all the orders. So if I have like if I send him an email right now at midnight, he'll say, got your order. And by um, four o'clock in that afternoon, so like, you know, eight hours later, it's picked up from the factory and it's in with the courier on the way. And it normally would be down into Amazon um, the next morning. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty good service. It's a, it's a good area um, because it's nice and close to everything. Whereas West Coast, we always used to go into ONT8. Yeah, which is getting really busy now because yeah. everything from China is going to ONT8, I think. Okay, awesome. So let's take this last question. What is the last day to send shipments to Amazon.com for? <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but do you mean for, for Christmas shipping? Yeah, for the Q4. Q4. There's well, this, no. Well, this time Q4 is huge because there's Prime Day and all of the you know different things. Yeah. But generally for Christmas, it's around when is it? First week of December or something? I mean, Amazon's last the day. First well, three weeks of December. Yeah, first three weeks yeah. of December. So that's the last 
date for sending your products in mm. if you want to get them shipped out to your customers before Christmas. Okay. Yeah, they don't have a cutoff date as such. Okay. I mean, last year we were actually running out of some of our products and just I just did some shipping plans like on the 5th and 6th of December and they were in, in two or three days. That won't happen this year, I'm sure. Um, but there's no particular cutoff. But if you're launching a new product, it's no good putting it in on the 30th of November. You really need, you know, November to get yourself ranking. You're not going to just stick it live on the 1st of December and pray. Um, I'd be trying to get it in a month before and at least get yourself, you know, some ranking. Yep. I think getting in sometime in October would be sort of pushing the limit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Stop, start planning for Valentine's Day now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on, honestly, I don't really care about the festivals and seasons that much because I, mm. I sell a non-seasonal product. For me, I always prefer to focus on consistent ongoing sales around mm. the year and mm. then yep, let them naturally pick up during whatever festivals or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't spend any money on any of these silly holiday day things it's just money for jeff that's all it is <laughs> what is he worth that 200 billion dollars or something <laughs> why he's the richest man because all these silly people keep paying him what is it 500 dollars now to run a blooming campaign for prime day or something before you give a 20 percent discount how much margin am i going to make out of that not very much so yeah, yeah. but he's going to make a fortune <laughs> Okay, so Jida is asking, do you have plans for a mastermind in Singapore? Currently, there are a few Facebook groups which are helpful, but if there is a small group to assist and motivate new sellers, that would be great. You know, we have actually really been thinking about this seriously. So just, I think last week, Kevin, Mark, and I were talking about this. After we finished this, we were just having a conversation and, and we, were, we were really thinking about this. So, you know, maybe we'll um, talk to Jason and Marg and see if uh, all of us can come together and, and do a mastermind. But I hope you guys will be willing to pay for it because <laughs> that will be a lot of our time. <laughs> so as long as, you know, if everybody is willing to pay a little bit every month, um, I think we can find the time to do that. So. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Jason's gone quiet. <laughs> yeah, Jason's so busy. I mean, will you be able to take time out? <laughs> De Debbie's not saying anything either. <laughs> I'm answering like like yesterday. I spent the whole morning just replying people's uh, private messages and emails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, Jason. How do you do that? You, you, even in the Amazon Telegram group, you give such detailed answers to everybody who asks any questions. So, yeah, really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, seriously, if, if um, you know, if there is a need for that and if people find that, you know, valuable, we'll seriously consider that, but it does take our time and, and it does take effort to put it together. So we'll probably have a small fee, you know, for everybody to pay and that will make it uh, just sort of cover our time. Um, okay, awesome. And um, yeah, everybody, uh, you know, if, if you're new and if you're looking for a course, again, I would strongly recommend Jason's course. So check out his website, jasontayonline.com. He runs this course every month. It's uh, Jason, do you want to talk about the course? 
it's not every month. It's sort of as and when. Like I didn't do one in June, I think. Uh, Almost every month. I only take in a max of 15 people at a time. So I don't do like a 200 people on a webinar or whatever. And the reason for that is I actually do one-to-one with everyone after that. Uh, so it is quite a time suck. Um, it essentially covers the fundamentals of selling on Amazon without all the fluff, the hype, and the nonsense that you get with a lot of, from from a lot of other people. Yeah. Uh, and the whole idea is, I want to. Um, I mean, the prov- proverbial teach a person to fish and he can feed himself for life versus like just handing out fish. So that's what I try to do, help you understand the fundamentals and how then to make use of that understanding in order to execute sensibly uh, with to maximize your probability of success while minimizing your risk. That's the approach that I like to take. Uh, so if you're interested, you can head on down to my website, uh, go to the training tab there on the top menu and drop a, click the send to messenger button there because I actually don't have a class scheduled at the moment. Uh, what happens when you click send to messenger, I'll ask you whether you prefer a weekend or a weekday. And then like, for example, if 10 people say they want a weekday and two people say they want a weekend, then I'll schedule something on a weekday, probably sometime in September or end of September or something like that. Yep. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thanks, cool. Michael. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah. I, I've taken Jason's course as well. And it really helps you, you know, build a very strong foundation. And then, of course, you get to join Jason's Facebook group as well for his students. And, and uh, he's very engaged in that group, too. Also, check out the podcast, theasianseller.com. That's the website. And I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or also on YouTube. So feel free to subscribe over there. All right. And Mohammed, we have a guest. <laughs> Is that your daughter or son? <laughs> cool. Okay. Before we go, Jason, Mark, Debbie, Viral, uh, Rish has dropped off. What um, suggestions or advice do you have for people as they prepare for Q4 or they start selling on Amazon in the next few months if they're new? Debbie. Uh, just go for it. There's no good time or no bad time to try to start. And you just learn as you go along. Just go for it. Right. Marg. Yeah, look, I think this year it's just put your listing up. Make sure. I think the best, biggest thing is you've got to have a keyword rich listing. If you haven't got all the main, you know, um, best sort of searched keywords in your listing, that's where you go wrong. So get your listing right, get some great images and the rest should do itself. Um, you know, and I think that's the easiest way to do it. Viral. Yeah, I mean, optimize your listing. Um, if it's a Christmas, then you can have all images related to that Christmas. So, you know, it just resonates more with the audience. And yeah, that that's the entire thing. Jason. The best time to start is the day that you start. <laughs> <laughs> that's great advice. Yep. Yes. So, and... As you start, um, because I've met so many people who have been burnt, uh, just make sure that you know what you're doing and don't go for all the hype and the fluff and the like, uh, get rich quick kind of stuff. Just stay away from that uh, and don't have that kind of mentality. We call it noise. 
Yeah. And there's just, yeah, just be wary of all the marketers out there that can mm. promise you that you're going to double your sales, but they only want $1,000 a month to do your PPC or some other thing. I mean, hello. Um, then they'll spend $4,000 of your money on PPC. So you've spent five. Um, so I think, yeah, just stay away from marketers. And it's, there's just too many people out there that are just making more money from marketing than they are from selling on or, Amazon. Or, or selling courses. <laughs> yeah, or selling courses. <laughs> Big dollars for some of those courses in the thousands. Yeah. So be, if, it, if it's too expensive, like um, you don't want to go there. If it, there, somebody's asking you $15,000 for a course or something, well, it's all on YouTube. I wouldn't spend $15,000. Right. So you can get it all on Helium 10. Or Jason. Or Jason. <laughs> yeah, Jason's course is very, um, you know, reasonably priced. It's about a thousand dollars for two days in person. So, and you get the videos, recordings um, as well later. Plus, you get four or five uh, in-person calls. So, I think it's it's very affordable and very reasonable. Yeah, if you lived in Melbourne, Jason, I would come and spend the weekend with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Too far to go to Perth. We can't get in there anyway. They won't have us. Yeah, I've got to stay yeah, there for two weeks. They'll lock you up if you try to cross the border. <laughs> Jason will charge you extra, Kevin. <laughs> he would too. Yeah. He's put on my credit card. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, Raj. And I see ST was here too. I think she's... She's dropped off. Is ST, are you still here? ST is in Singapore and uh, she's a really good friend of mine and we met last last week. She's she's using week. her cat's Zoom account. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the trend nowadays, is it? <laughs> cool. All right. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. You have a good week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, bye everyone. Bye, bye. Thanks, bye. bye everyone.